0: Think about was turning to 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. We are starting this journey. And I'm calling it a journey because there are some that I believe understand what a deacon is. There are others who have no idea what a deacon is. And so as we work through this, here is my desire and here is my hope. Did you have a better understanding of what a deacon is and what are the qualifications of a deacon? And also I'm praying that you're prayerfully going through this process of praying over the names of men in our church who God may be calling to serve. And listen to this word very carefully, church, into this ministry. The office of the deacon is a ministry. And you're going to hear that a lot this morning in this message. You're going to hear it over these next few weeks as well. But there's a challenge when we get to a passage like Acts. Chapter 6. There is a challenge here. Because it's about church leadership. And there's sometimes we want to tune it out. Because we don't think it's talking about us. In Acts chapter 6. We read about a need. But also in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We read about a qualification. We're going to get into 1 Timothy next week. And I have struggled working through this series of messages to make sure that as we're sharing the message, we understand what Scripture is saying, what God is telling us through these passages. Not that you hear my opinion on what a deacon is, or even more so, already have made an opinion yourself as to what a deacon is. And we get to passages like Acts chapter 6 and like 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we think, what does this have to do with my life? How does this apply to me? Why do I need to read this as I'm going through Scripture? And here's one of the reminders I want to give you today. And it's simply this. And it's in your outline. Church leadership affects every believer of Christ. Did you hear what I said? Church leadership. Not just a pastor. Not just a deacon. Not just a Sunday school teacher. But whatever is considered church leadership Affects the church as a whole. And here's the issue we run into. Here's the issue, and this applies to every one of us in the room in one way or the other. Some believers have been encouraged greatly by church leadership, while others have been hurt in their spiritual journey. Did you hear what I said? Some have been encouraged by spiritual leaders, and some have been hurt and their spiritual journeys by spiritual leaders in the church. And we run into that in every aspect of ministry. We see that taking place in churches around us. There are times we may be encouraged. There are times we may be discouraged in our spiritual walk because of church leadership. And to the point, to the point that some who have been hurt so deep by leadership in a church have walked away not only from the church, but have walked away from Christianity altogether. Their ideas. is, well, that's what Christianity looks like. I don't want it. If the church leadership is a picture of Christ and that's what it looks like, I don't want any of it. So this morning, as we approach this, we need to look at church leadership scripturally. What does the Bible say about church leadership? Because my understanding is going to affect not only my walk with Christ, but my relationship with those God puts in authority over me. So as I approach this, here is a danger. We think about church leadership. We've already established that it affects every believer in Christ. But here's the other thought this morning. If church leadership is casual about God and holiness and missions then the church will fall short in those areas. Does that statement make sense this morning, church? And so say amen. Amen. I want to make sure we're on the same page this morning. If we're casual about God, we're casual about holiness, we're casual about mission. And listen, we could put a ton more words into that statement this morning. But if we're casual about any aspect of God and his leading and his desire for the church, if we are casual about those things, we will fall short of the mission that God has for us. And because we fall short, because we fall short, there are going to be people going to hell because we haven't shared the gospel with them. We haven't invited them to church We haven't encouraged them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing it, then how will some ever hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ? But if leadership, if church leadership is passionate about these biblical truths, passionate about God, passionate about holiness, passionate about missions, then the church will be strengthened And we're able to pray for souls to come and know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and see our world transformed by the gospel through faithful witnessing. And that is what's before us this morning. So no matter what you think or how you feel about serving in the body of Christ, church leadership matters. And you need to hold on to that truth this morning. So as we're taking this journey, I want us to begin with a foundation. I want us to begin with a foundation. Because in Scripture, in Scripture, the Bible tells us two offices that are in the church. There's the office of the elder slash bishop slash pastor. There's also the office of the deacon. Those are the two offices that have been established by God for His church and leading others. And I also want you to have this picture in your mind. The elder, the pastor is the servant leader. The deacons are the leading servants. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? I'm going to repeat it because some of you didn't hear it. The the pastor, the elder, he is the servant leader. The deacons are the leading servants. So we hold on to that foundation as we look through Scripture. And here's the other issue we run into. Every church does church leadership differently. For some, they go to God's Word to lead them. But there are some that go based on tradition rather than what God's Word tells them. Even among churches that are obeying God's Word, they still have a variety of views on church leadership. But here I want to remind you. The Bible is non-negotiable. What the Bible says is true. What the Bible says is clear. Now we sometimes struggle with the application, but Scripture is clear. Now it doesn't always clearly address the truth, what they look like in practice, but it is clear. So the challenge for me and the challenge for you this morning is to take God's word in his truth as a non negotiable. To be grounded in these truths and think about how they apply in the context of the family of faith known as the church. And here's what we understand. If this is not church, if this is non negotiable, if God's word is non negotiable, then here is the thought and here's when you understand that church leadership is designed by God. God designed church leadership. Listen, it is not man's invention. Man did not invent church leadership. Because if man invented church leadership, he would impose his own ideas. And he would not allow God to do the leading. So when we think about church leadership this morning. There's two thoughts I want you to hold on to. The first one is this. God has designed the church's leadership to display... Uh, to be a display, rather, of His glory, church leadership is to be a display of His glory. Think about it this way: the glory of Christ is displayed in the beauty of His bride, and His bride is the who? Who's the bride? The church. The church is the bride. You didn't realize this is going to be an interactive sermon this morning. God, just hold on. So that means that those who Listen carefully. Those who leave the church are to be a visible display of God's glory. That's what they should be. A visible display of God's glory. But sadly, sadly, too many times... There are countless ways that the glory of God has been and continues to be compromised and continues to be compromised before the world because we have church leaders who are not displaying God's glory. And this is a serious issue. It doesn't matter where they are serving, but if they are not displaying God's glory, why are they in leadership in the first place? If I, as shepherd, as I, as pastor, am not displaying God's glory, y'all need to get rid of me. But too many times churches won't because they like to have their ears tickled. They'd rather be encouraged than challenged. But we let that trickle down among church leadership as a whole. So we remember, and remember the seriousness of this, is that church leadership is to display the glory of of His glory. Here's the other thought this morning. God has also designed church leadership to be dependent on his gospel. I have to be dependent on what God's word tells me, but specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, what is my mission? What is my goal? What should be my desire? To share the good news with other people. But if I'm not displaying his glory, how am I going to share the good news? If I'm not displaying His glory, how can I be dependent on His gospel? And here's the other reminder, and as i am working through this over the last couple of weeks, I've been reminded as I think about those who have gone before us. Think about Paul. Paul couldn't do anything without being dependent on the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no way Paul changes our world without being dependent on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes, there are qualifications. Yes, there are roles and responsibilities, but these are all made possible by Jesus Christ living in that individual and working in them and through them to display the glory of Christ because they are a living example of his glory. And it all comes to this. Jesus is our leader and the people are qualified to lead only Insofar as he is living and working in them. If Jesus is not working in me, how can I proclaim the gospel? If Jesus isn't working in me, how can I be a reflection of him in a world that is lost? And the same goes for every aspect of church leadership. But remember, this morning we're specifically talking about the office of the deacon. But it also goes for the office of the pastor. But I think there's a trickle down effect for anybody in leadership. If you serve on a committee, you should be displaying the glory of Christ. Amen? If you're working with children, you should display the glory of Christ. Amen? If you sing in the choir, you should display the glory of Christ. Amen? Alright, we're all on the same page. Hallelujah. Because this is so important. I don't want us to get lost in this idea that why well, I already know what these positions do, because I've already made my own opinion. The problem is too many of us have made a decision on church leadership that is contrary to God's word. We look at the world around us and what leadership looks like. And if we're honest, leadership of the world looks horrible. Can you imagine what world leadership would look like if it trickled into the church? I don't know about you, but that would give me nightmares. If the church tried to operate like the world does, here's the difference. We're not the world. If we live in the world. We're not made of the world. So I go back to foundation. The foundation is found in Scripture. The foundation is in God's Word when it comes to church leadership. So we're thinking about the office of the deacon this morning and answering the question – Why do we need deacons? I want to share with you this morning what I believe are four responsibilities of deacons. I believe there are four responsibilities of deacons to tell us why we need deacons. And it starts in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the New twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Ocarius, Nechnor, Timon, Parmenus, and Nicholas, the prophet of Antioch. And when they sat before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them. I want to stop there. We'll get to verse 7 in a moment. But I want you to see there arose a need. There arose a need in there. And here's the first responsibility of a deacon, I believe to meet needs according to the word. To meet needs according to the word. This is their specific role, rather, of spiritual service to meet needs. Now, when we read Acts 6 1 through 6, we see that the deacon's ministry arises from a specific circumstance. Notice that in Scripture, there is a specific circumstance that comes up as to why these men are needed. Go back to Scripture. You see it in verse 1. Now in those days, the numbers of the disciples were multiplying, and there rose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected of the daily distribution. Here's the picture. We have Hebrews that are born Hebrew. That's who the Hebrews are in Scripture. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Hebrew Jews who had gone to the faith, but they weren't born into the faith. Does that make sense? They converted into Judaism. So you have those who were already Jews who were born into it, and those who converted to it. And here's the issue. Everybody's watching, and this group is being cared about, but this group's being neglected. That is the complaint that we see in verse 1, so the deacon ministry arose from a specific circumstance. Listen, the church was growing and they're sharing their resources with one another. But there was a specific need to lead to these servants being asked to come forward. Different needs call for different leaders. And I think that explains and helps us understand the responsibility of... That is spelled out for deacons in the New Testament. So we see that they were meeting needs according to the word. That is the first responsibility of a deacon we see in this scripture. The second responsibility was to support the ministry of the word. That is the second responsibility to support the ministry of the word. Now we see this in verse 2. In verse 2, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the song and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The issue was that the widows were being overlooked. Now, we also have to take into account, we have to take into account that the church has grown. The church has grown, and at one point we've read that 3,000 have come to the faith. Twelve apostles trying to take care of 3,000 individuals would be a difficult challenge. And that's why this need arose. Because they weren't able to spend time in prayer and studying the Word and be able to help 3,000 people. So that's why we see this need. And that's why when we read in Scripture, the apostles, these 12 men share what needs to be done. They share the need, but we see... That the church as a whole was in agreement. We see that in the first part of verse 5. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they picked these men to be part of that specific ministry, those seven men that we see in Scripture who are called to serve. But the reason this need arose because the church was suffering, needs were not being met. And we see that explained again here in Scripture. So the deacons were appointed to free up the apostles' availability to preach the Word. And now we have a balance within the church. We have a balance. We have those who are the servant leader and those who are the leading servants. That's the picture we have here. And we need individuals who are devoted not only to God's Word but meeting the needs of those around them. That's why. These men were chosen to serve in the ministry as a deacon. And in their serving, we understand two things. We think about supporting the ministry of the word. Here's the first thought. Deacons serve elders so they can lead. Deacons serve elders, serve pastors, serve the bishop so they can lead. Again, we see it in scripture. It is not good, verse 2, is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve the table. Therefore, seek out among you some men a good reputation full of the Holy Spirit wisdom, who may be appointed, appointed over this business. So we see Stephen and six other men who are devoting themselves to prayer and the word. Here's what I want you to understand when you see this the deacons are. Serve the elders so they can lead. Here's a statement you're going to hear a couple of times this morning, and it's sadly we see it in other churches around us. The deacons are not the second power block in the church. They're not the second. Pa- it's not like here's the pastor and here are the deacons and everybody else. It's not a power structure. The deacons are helping the elders in serving and leading the church. But too many times the church has flipped that role. Too many times the church has decided that the role of a deacon is to be that of a supervisor of church staff and the pastor himself. That's what some churches see the role of the deacon. That they are supervising the pastor making sure he's doing his job and telling him what to do and telling the rest of the staff what to do and how to do it. Church, I can't find that anywhere in Scripture. It's not biblical. Yet there are churches literally around us that are working on this kind of structure where the deacons have all the say to the point of telling the pastor not only what he should be doing but what he should be preaching. That's not The deacons that we meet here in Acts chapter 6 are serving fundamentally as supporters and encouragers of the elders in the ministry of the word. So the deacons serve the elders so they can lead. But here's the other thing about the deacon when we think about supporting the ministry of the word. And it's this. They lead others so they can serve. There are six names we just mentioned in Scripture. These six men who have been called as deacons in the church. Do you think those six men can handle serving 3,000 individuals? So what the deacons need to do is help others in serving as well. It's not just about the pastors. not just about the deacons. But the deacons are the leading servers. And it should be the deacons going to the church body and saying, Hey... Would you be willing to help in this ministry? Would you be willing to serve in this way? Again, it's not about a power structure. And it should never be that. The deacons are called to help the elder do what he needs to do. But also lead others in serving the body of Christ. And that's what we see taking place in scripture. I truly believe that after these six men and their hands are laid on them... They go out and start getting others within the body of the church to help serve as well. So the responsibility is not just on these six individuals. But they're organizing things to be done. Work to be done in the church. So that everyone in the church has an opportunity to serve while the deacons are leading that charge. That's what we see and that's what I understand in this scripture. What it means to support the ministry of The word. But we'll take it one step further. The third responsibility, I believe, for the deacon is this they unify the body around the word. They unify the body around the word. When we read chapter 6, we see there's a serious issue taking place. We met it in verse 1. Some widows are being watched for, and some widows were being neglected. That's why this group was established. And listen to this. Physical neglect was causing spiritual disunity. And think about it. We read in verse 1. There's a word there we kind of glossed over. But this is the word, the catalyst for why we're in the position we're in in Scripture right here. Verse 1. Now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint. There was a complaint. We're not being served. Our widows are not being served. You need to do something about it. That was the mindset that was taking place here. So that because of this physical neglect, because of what was taking place, the deacons are established to unify the body around the word. Now here's what I think it means. That deacons are appointed to squelch the tension And the rising disunity in the church. The deacons should be those ones that are making sure there's no disunity, no gossiping, no complaining. Yet usually those are the terms that are associated with deacons. That deacons gossip, that they complain, that they cause disunity. Hey church, can I give you a good reminder this morning? Some of you may not understand this or realize this, but I want to just put this out here this morning. The deacons are not the complaint department. Did you hear that? The deacons are not the complaint department. Yes, you go to the deacons and you have concerns. Yes, you go to the deacons and you have concerns. But they are not the complaint department. The deacons, according to Scripture, are called and are designed That also is designed to labor to promote unity in the church. That is the purpose of the deacon to bring unity and order to the church. But too many times the deacons are the ones leading into this unity. Are leading in the gossip. Are leading in the complaining. Yet that's not what we see in scripture. What we see in scripture is a beautiful picture of what church leadership looks like. The twelve apostles here about the need and realized that something needs to be done. And notice who they gave the responsibility to. Notice who the apostles gave the responsibility to. Go back to verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, we read the word business and we think, well, that means they're running the church. No. What was the business at hand? Meeting the needs of the two specific groups of widows in the church. That's the business that arose. And the church, because of the apostles, of their encouragement. And notice they didn't say, it, and it goes back to what I've been trying to share in the last number of weeks. When we're thinking about the process of deacons to be praying over the names of men God is placing on your heart to serve in this ministry. Notice what the what the what the call was from the apostles, verse three: good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They were called to seek out these individuals. I believe they were being encouraged to pray about who it is among the group that could be called to serve in this ministry. So when we think about this idea of the deacon is unifying the body around the word, helping to avoid conflict, tensions, distractions, I believe there's one more responsibility that we see in Scripture, and it gets us to verse 7. The fourth responsibility of the deacon, I believe, is this. To help maintain a healthy balance between inreach and outreach. Look at verse 7 in Acts chapter 6. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The Word in verse 7 is important here. Once these men had been selected, prayed over, Scripture said in verse 6, they laid hands on them and prayed over them. Notice what happens next. The Word of God spread. And people came to know who the Father was through the Son, through the preaching and teaching of the Word what I believe took place is this, and I believe is important, and it is implied that once these deacons were selected, once these deacons became part of that office, they began sharing the ministry with the apostles and meeting the needs, and the church is growing. And the church is growing in part to a shared approach. It's not all about the deacons serving, and it's not all about the pastor being the leading servant. But the church was functioning now at a greater capacity because they had those leading the church. And I believe it was also going because there was an evangelistic zeal taking place in not only the apostles, but the deacons. We turn over to Acts chapter 8. We read about one of these deacons, Philip, who has an encounter with an individual from another country. Who is sitting in a chariot reading God's word and has no concept of what he's reading. He doesn't understand. And through the Holy Spirit, Philip ends up next to this man and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy goes, no, I don't have a clue. And we look at Acts chapter 8 verse 35 and it simply says this. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture preached Jesus to him. It wasn't the pastor doing it. It was the deacon preaching and proclaiming the word to this lost individual. Sharing the responsibility of proclaiming the word of God. In Acts chapter 6, why do we have deacons? Here it is. I believe that the deacons are ministering to the needs of the church. That's called in-reach. When the deacons are ministering to the needs of the individuals who are part of the body of Christ, that is in-reach. When they call that member who's struggling with some things, when they make that visit to a member who's just had surgery, that is in-reach. And I believe that is an important part of the deacon ministry. But in Acts chapter 6, we see the in-reach. We see that taking place in verses 1 through 6. But then we get to verse 7. And we see deacons sharing the gospel regularly with people in the community. This is called outreach or evangelism. That's what we see deacons doing in Acts chapter 6. And that's why we need deacons. We need deacons to help in the ministry of the church, to help in the inreach, to help in the outreach the deacons along with the apostles continue to hold high the name of Jesus and we're practicing and championing his name by sharing the good news in others. We live in a day, we live in a time where the world is turning against the church. We live in a world where people don't care about what the church has or what the church is trying to proclaim and share. But if the body of Christ was in harmony, Was in harmony. Does everybody? Does anybody? I'm getting wound up, and I got to slow down. Sorry. Does everybody understand what harmony is? Harmony is when those three chords are played and they sound together. Harmony takes place when everything is working the way it's supposed to. In an orchestra setting, it'd be the violin playing the right pitch, the trumpet playing the right pitch, the trombone playing the right pitch, all at the same time. That's the picture we have in the church of harmony. And here's what harmony looks like in the church. And here's the picture. Harmony is when the pastor is proclaiming the word. That's the first part of the harmony. The pastor is proclaiming the word, the truth of God's word. The deacons are ministering and serving the flock. Now that's two chords there. But we need a third chord to make that sound complete. That's where you come in. As the body of Christ. Church members are loving and serving each other. Imagine what would happen if all three of those were played at the right time. The way they're supposed to be. That the pastor's proclaiming the word. That the deacons are serving. That the deacons are ministering. The church family is loving and serving. If all three of those things are happening, there is no telling the number of people that would be reached for God. But one of those, when one of those chords is played incorrectly, it sounds horrible. And you don't have that beautiful sound. You have disunity. You have this function among the body. But when all three of those chords are played perfectly. The way they're supposed to. Even the vilest person can't avoid hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The person who's turned their back on Jesus can't avoid hearing about Jesus. When all three of these things are being played the way they're supposed to at the same time. Yes, the deacons are the formal servants of the church, but they're not the rulers. They're not a board of directors. The deacons are called to serve the needs of the church by serving. Scripture says they were waiting on tables. That's the word it uses here. But they cannot do it alone. Deacons can't do that ministry by themselves. Deacons have many responsibilities. Deacons may call, though, others to help serve them. A deacon may say, hey, I want to go make some visits. Would you mind going with me? It'd be real quick for the church to say, Well, that's not my job. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yes, it is your job. You are called to share the gospel. And if the deacon is encouraging you to go with them, that means the deacon is leading by serving and wants you to be a part of that same ministry and helping and leading by serving. That's why we need deacons to help fulfill the complete. Ministry of the church. But I bring it back to you this morning. I bring it back to you because yes, we're talking about the office of the deacon and why we need them. And I know what and I told you at the beginning of the message. I told you this statement. Church leadership didn't have anything to do with me. God's not calling me to be a preacher, He's not calling me to be a deacon. Why do I need to pay attention? Why do I need to listen about this? Why do I need to be concerned about this? I think it all comes back to this thought. Jesus tells us that the world will know that we are his disciples. And if we're his disciples, here's the call for every one of us. For the pastor, for the deacon, for the church member. And it's found over in John 13 verse 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's what it boils down to this morning. Do you have love for one another? You don't have to be a deacon to serve. You don't have to be a pastor to serve. If you're a disciple, you are called to love one another. If we're called to love, that means we have a desire to serve one another. But we have the pastor and the deacon to help us know how to serve know and set that example for me and for you. So the question I have this morning is are we loving one another? As pastor am I loving one another? As deacons are they loving one another? As the body of Christ are you loving one another? Because it requires Jesus to mold us into what he has called us to do and doing what he has called us to do. By molding us to what he is to be And what to do. He wants me to be his child. Be his disciple. but he's calling me to go and tell. And that calls for every one of us. Not just for the deacon. Not just for the pastor. It starts with this thought of. Am I as a member. As a believer in Jesus Christ. Am I willing to let the father. Have his own way with me. To mold me. And shape me. And use me. doesn't matter if you're a pastor. A deacon or a church member. Are you willing to let Him have His way with you this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I shared with you this morning that this is a a difficult message to preach. Because we're looking at a specific office within the body of Christ. But I also believe this applies to us as believers in the body. Because we have that responsibility to selecting those individuals, just like the early church did. But we don't do it on a whim. We pray over it. We pray about those we want leading and serving, that we are willing to follow in serving others. This morning, I, we've looked at the responsibilities, and you've noticed that the responsibility is centered about what the Word says, what the Word tells us to do. But the responsibility isn't just for the elder; it's not just for the deacon, but I believe it's for everyone who calls on the Lord Savior and has made that decision and said yes to him. Because you understood what it meant to let the Father have his way with you, to allow him to mold you and shape you. This morning, I don't know where you are in your walk. I don't know if you even have a walk with him this morning. But there are some who are struggling because you're not letting the Father have His way with you. You are fighting Him in every decision. There are some who are fighting and don't know you're fighting because you've never said yes to Him. But there are many in this room who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you're fighting right now. Because you're not allowing Him to lead your life. Not allowing Him to lead in the decisions that you are making or going to make. This morning, as I look at this passage it applies to every one of us because we are that body we are the ones watching those who lead us in service and are they displaying the glory of Christ the better question is are you displaying the glory of Christ as a church member am I displaying the glory of Christ as a church member I can't display his glory until I give it all to him And I love the words in the first verse of the hymn, we're fixing the same. And it's taken from Jeremiah, where he molds us and he shapes us. Are you allowing that this morning? In a moment, we're going to stand and sing this familiar hymn. Are you allowing the Father to mold you in such a way that you glorify him? are you fighting him this morning? Are you struggling with Who God may be placing on your heart to submit in a few weeks as a potential person to be part of this deacon ministry? Are you praying over this? Are you seeking God's will? If you don't allow him to mold you and shape you, you're trying to make a decision on your own. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever the struggle is, in a moment when we stand and sing, do business with God. Don't fight Him as He's molding you and fight Him as He's shaping you. God's truth is non-negotiable. He loved you enough to send His Son to die for your sins. He loved you enough not only to do that but to establish what leadership looks like in the church. If you're going to fight Him and in Him, you're going to fight Him on church leadership as well. But in a moment, as we stand in sin, do business with God. Father, as we come to this moment, this time of response, this time of invitation, we pray for your will because honestly, that's all we can pray right now. We think of church leadership this morning. But it starts with us having a relationship with You. So, Father, mold us and shape us. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Let's stand in